Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. All of a sudden, I felt a slight pull on my ponytail. I put my hand on my head, and all I could feel was basically my skull. I was completely scalped. This is How I Survived stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I Survived. Um, and we were just hanging out on a Sunday, just, you know, doing what families do, hanging out with the kids. Putting her two little ones down for a nap, Michelle Dowsett decided to get some chores done. On her sprawling farm in rural New South Wales, there was always work to do. Her husband at the time, Bob, was sowing their barley crops and her uncle Craig was helping out loading grain. A new registration sticker had arrived for the family's truck, so Michelle grabbed it, checked on her sleeping babies and walked outside. I went down... The kids were asleep. Josh and Liv, they were young. Josh was only three. Liv was only just over 12 months. They were both asleep on the lounge. I went down to put the rego sticker on and my uncle was down in the silo and he said, um, can you just give me a hand turning the auger on and off? Wiping the sweat from his brow, Craig was clearly frustrated. The auger, the machine that he was using to load the grain, kept jamming. While he investigated the problem, he needed Michelle to start the engine. So I did that oh, probably half a dozen times that day, I think it was. Um, anyway, we were nearly finished and he said, all right, we're done now. And I went to turn the auger off and leaned over and flicked my ponytail forward and it happened to go into the drive shaft. All of a sudden, I felt a slight pull on my ponytail. It sort of just felt like a button. Just when you pop a button on a shirt, it just felt like that. I put my hand on my head and all I could feel was basically my skull. My hair was not there anymore. And then as I put my hand down closer to my neck, there was no, there was skin on the back of my neck, but it had sort of folded down like a collar. There was nothing there for it to hold on to. And I knew exactly what I'd done the minute I'd done it. I was completely scalped. The first thing that went through my mind when it happened was, please don't let my children wake up and come down here and see me like this. Michelle's ponytail had snagged on a spinning bolt connected to the motor and the top of her head had been clean pulled off. In shock, she chastised herself, angry that she'd made such a stupid mistake. And I've just, basically the first thing that I said was, you idiot, to myself. It was over in about 30 seconds, there was no pain, and I just sort of went, oh my God, what have I done? Called out to my uncle to get out of the silo. I said, oh, you need to get out here, please. I've had a bit of an incident. Basically when Uncle Craig uh, came out of the silo and looked at me. You could see the colour drain from his face and I could just see by the look on his face that it was bad. And he was obviously really frightened. He then called my ex-husband over and his face was a little bit worse. He came over and he said, oh my God, what have you done, dear? 
Sucking in a deep breath, Michelle knew she had to keep calm. It wasn't just her life at stake. 13 weeks along with her third child, Emma, she'd been prescribed blood thinners for her pregnancy. The risk of bleeding out was high. Panicking simply wasn't an option. I had to be calm because, like, I was on the blood thinners. I knew I could have been in a whole world of trouble. Like, you know, your head is exposed. You've got a large piece of skin that's just come off your head. The risk of infection is massive. And being on blood thinners, so, I mean, I could have lost a massive amount of blood, especially if I went into panic mode. So I just tried to keep calm and reduce, reduce my heart rate so I wasn't pumping a heap of blood out of my head. Waiting for the ambulance to arrive, blood dripping down her face, Michelle knew she had to try and save her scalp. Looking over at the machinery, which had ground to a halt, she noticed her ponytail dangling from it. Her scalp was still mostly intact. So basically when I was sitting there, you know, my ex-husband had came over and he goes, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, you're going to have to go and get an airski. I've got my scalp sitting here and we've got to put it in ice. So he went up to the house and I said, and check on the kids. I don't want those. I don't want those two coming down. Make sure that they're still asleep. And he came back and he said, oh, I've got no ice, but I've got, I've got the peas and corn and the chips. So we took those out of the freezer and we, we wrapped the scalp up and we put it in our esky. It took 40 minutes for the ambulance to get there. And I, I was going into shock. I was getting a little bit cold and clammy. And when the ambulance did come, they asked me to put a neck brace on. And that is really the only time that I felt pain because obviously when my scalp was ripped, all the nerve endings were destroyed and I had no feeling at all in my exposed skull. Um, and it was just where the nerves were still raw in the back of the neck. And off we went in the ambulance with our peas, corns and chips in the esky and with the scalp. Taken to a small country hospital, the atmosphere was charged with uncertainty. But the moment the Royal Flying Doctor Service turned up, all of that changed. A lot of the nurses and doctors had probably never seen anything as horrific as what my injury was. Uh, there was a bit of panic, a bit of, you know, oh my gosh, what do we do here sort of sort of scenario because, like, it's, it's not a very common injury at all. Flying doctors walked in and that's when everything was calm. They walked in, they took control of the situation. Yeah, one of them was quite hot, actually, I thought. <laughs> I can't even remember what his name was. And I thought, oh, he can't be a doctor. He's too young to be a doctor, but he's not bad on the eyesight. They were just fantastic, like, you know, all jo jokes aside, they just got in, did what they had to do. You know, they told me the risks. They said, you know, you could lose your pregnancy. You could have a massive infection. This could happen. What do you want us to do? And I said, just get me home. Wheeled to the waiting plane, the flying doctors were ready to race Michelle hundreds of kilometres to Sydney, where an ambulance was waiting to take her to St Vincent's Hospital. Pointing at her esky filled with peas, corn, chips and her severed scalp, the absolute legend couldn't help but crack a joke. Anyway, we got to St Vincent's and, we, you know, I was wheeled in and it was a bit of a panic. A fair few nurses sort of opened up their curtain to have a look and when they realised that I was still looking at them, the look on their face it was funny, it was like, Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, she's still awake! And I remember saying to one of the triage nurses, why don't you just open the curtain? Everyone's looking in anyway. Whisked into surgery, renowned plastic surgeon Dr Kevin Ho worked painstakingly for 15 hours to reattach Michelle's scalp. When she woke up, her mum Bev was by her side. She came in and she touched my hand and said, you know, was talking to me um, and she was crying. Obviously seeing me was a bit of a shock. And I couldn't talk because I had, you know, tubes and things everywhere. So I just grabbed hold of her hand and I just traced on it, don't cry. Well, that was probably a stupid thing to do because all she did was cry then. Um, 
you know, and I just tried to give her the thumbs up and say, look, I'm okay, I'm fine. Michelle's baby was just as strong. Despite the trauma, the tiny survivor's heart was still beating. Constantly I was given ultrasound and scans to make sure that Emma was okay. Um, and that's what they'd said to me, look, if Emma's been through these surgeries, she's, she's going to survive, she's not going anywhere. And it may sound a little bit harsh, but my main goal was to look after the two children that I had. And if Emma was going to stay with me, that was an added bonus. My kids came down probably about, maybe about three to five days after my first surgery. I just missed them so much. I'd never been away from them for any more than a day. I just really wanted to see them and I was just in tears just saying, I just want my children here. They came down when I still had the bandages on my head. I had a, a huge bandage on my head. I look like, you know, the mushroom man out of the Mario Brothers. You know, I didn't have my wild hair sticking out wherever it used to stick out and didn't have my old farm clothes on that I used to be wearing all the time. And it wasn't until I spoke that Josh realised who I was and he was fine. He came over and gave me a cuddle and he was good. Livy didn't didn't know me. She was very scared and, and clung to her dad's leg. Once I got talking and we were laughing and we practised singing our songs and we did the stuff that we used to do together, she sort of relaxed a little bit. But it was quite frightening to those guys. And then when they had to leave again, I got very upset because I just missed them so much. But Michelle would be away from her kids for a little while longer. Despite Dr Ho's best efforts, her scalp didn't take. So he had to reconstruct it with skin taken from her thigh. After that next surgery, he spoke to me and he said, basically, you're going to be bald forever. You're not going to have any hair. Now, I never really looked after the mop that I had anyway, so... I wasn't too disappointed and I'm not really a cosmetic sort of girl either. It's like, hair's hair as far as I'm concerned. You either have it or you don't. After I had the, the final surgery, that was the first time I thought maybe I could look at myself. When I took the bandages off, I wasn't, you know, I said to mum, can you come in with me when I come and have a look? I didn't know how I would react. Obviously, when I took my first look, I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is what I'd look like with a shaved head. Um, it was very, very mottled, very, very bruised, very, very ugly looking, but like, I didn't care. Like I was, I was here, everything was still intact. I could still see, I could still hear, I still had my eyelids, you know, it still looked fairly similar. My eye, my eyebrows weren't there. And you know, my ears, one of my ears was sort of basically stuck to the side of my head, but everything else was still intact. So I wasn't too, too nervous about it at all. Back at home, as Michelle's belly grew, she couldn't help but worry. Would her baby be okay? When Anne was born, I was very nervous. Like, I didn't know, you know, all the scans and everything say that everything was normal, everything was fine, we didn't have to worry. But you always do. Like, you know, when your body's been through this traumatic thing, and so would her little body, you just you just didn't know. And, and when she came out and she was just perfect, I was just so relieved. I thought, oh my gosh, like, here she is and she looks okay. It's been a blessing ever since that she's here. Now eight... Emma is better than okay. She's thriving. And like her brave mum, she's one tough little cookie who knows just how lucky she is to be here. Well, we've spoken about it from day dot. And Emma knows full well that she was in my belly when it happened. Um, and, and she knows that she may well not have been here. And she knows how lucky that we all are to have her. Emma just says to me sometimes, what was it like when you had hair? Because, you know, as a mum, you know, the kids want to brush your hair and all that. Well, they can't really brush mine. Michelle's scalp is thin and super delicate, so she usually wears a bandana to keep it protected. Sometimes, though, she'll pop on a wig. When Josh started kindy, 
and Livy started kindy, I'd, I'd sometimes wear the hair and I sometimes wouldn't. I'd worn no hair on the Friday. I went into class on the Monday and one of the little kids said to me, how did you get hair so quick? And I said, oh, well, I've got this special cream and I rub it on my head and then I put my thumb in my mouth and I blow and then my hair comes out. And Josh was just looking at me as if to say, oh, you're an idiot, mum. You know, that look that kids get. And all the other kids at the table, they were just like so impressed. Oh, really? Really? Michelle's one gutsy lady. But she reckons the real heroes are the Royal Flying Doctor Service, real-life angels who work tirelessly day in, day out. As far as Michelle's concerned, they saved her life and she can never repay them. But she's not going to waste the gift they've given her. The Royal Flying Doctor Service is invaluable. People just don't understand, especially not city people, and I don't mean to sound like I'm being nasty, but... When we're out in the country and we don't have access to all these services, the flying doctors are the backbone of the Australian outback. The way I've always dealt with life is you can stand up and you can face it and you get thrown the curveballs. Now you can let those curveballs knock you down or you can get back up and say, I caught that one, now I'm going to throw it back at you. And, you know, since coming through that, you know, you've just got to live every day as it's your last. You really do. And... Just don't sweat the small stuff. To support the Royal Flying Doctor service, visit flyingdoctor.org.au. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. We'll bring you a new one each week. For more amazing real-life tales, pick up your copy of That's Life or visit thatslife.com.au. Next week on How I Survived. He said, you're being taken hostage. Of course, with that, he's pulling out a gun and he's telling us that he's got a bomb in his backpack. My next instant thought, of course, was terrorist. We are dead. Subscribe now on Omni and iTunes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.